everybody, I'm Dan Roberts. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden and Andy Larson. Welcome to the latest edition of the How About This Jazz podcast. I am Eric Walden, one of your co-hosts. Not joining me this week is Andy B. Larson. He is uh, traveling. He's on this road trip, and we were not able to get him to record. And so I have with me a special guest, Tribune columnist extraordinaire, sports, culture, religion, all the interesting stuff, Gordon Monson. Gordon, how you doing? Hey, Eric, how are you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, Before we get into the serious stuff about the Utah Jazz, source tells me you were hanging out with Carl Malone and Post Malone at the concert last night, correct? Well, uh, hanging out is one way to say it. I was there, and my seats were rather close to where uh, the mailman was. Uh, I I had good seats to that concert. You got five bucks I can borrow, Eric, because uh, it wasn't cheap, but uh, it was well worth it. We had, <laughs> I know I know that most of your listeners, they can understand my, you know, Post Malone and, and Gordon Monson. We, we have a lot in common, you know, and uh, we're kind of. Yeah, you've, uh, you've, got, you've I, got the matching facial tattoos. Yeah, and it's just uh, the appreciation, the musical talent and appreciation, it's all in common. But yeah, I was there, and it was a great concert. I, I had a fantastic time, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, Carl and I were out jamming with uh, Posty. Well, I got to say, Gordon, I'm a little bit in shock. I'm I'm, I'm having trouble getting my tongue moving again after this revelation. <laughs> but um... well, you're listen, you're the music expert. I, I know that you've got a background in in music, and you're very. You know, you got a keen ear for what's good and what isn't. But uh, for whatever reason, I like Post Malone. And look, I guess I'm now an RR fan. I mean, he was there too. And I was thinking to myself, what am I doing here? But I had a good time. It was fun. I am always in favor of people uh, getting out of their comfort zones and expanding, you know, their repertoires. So good on you, Gordon. I'm not going to poke fun at that at all. I'm not going to question your presence there at all. I enjoy people discovering new stuff and, and enjoying it. So good on you. One thing, one thing though, Eric, I find myself, uh, you know, I've never been much of a swearer, never used cuss words much, but all of a sudden I'm effing this and I'm effing that and everything is effing this and effing that. I, I can't stop now, you know? I'm happy to hear, I'm happy to hear it. We're, we're expanding your lexicon after all of these years. So <laughs> it's a, it's a very versatile word. I mean, it's a noun, it's a verb, it's a, an adjective. I learned all kinds of things last night. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll teach you some, some other good ones that you can add to your repertoire <laughs> if you're interested. Anyway, in the meantime, yeah, uh, we'll move on to the Utah jazz. That is the reason why this podcast exists. Uh, And we thank you loyal listeners, those loyal subscribers who pay attention to what we here at the Salt Lake Tribune have to say about the team. Uh, Your continued support is amazing and we appreciate it. So, Gordon, let's first of all dive into the column that uh, you had online in which you kind of examine the Jazz's unexpected start, their, their unexpected success, I guess we could say. 
and you kind of look into what's the likelihood that it will continue, can continue, that people want it to continue. I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on this. Well, there's a collision here, a confluence of different ideas. You know, there are some jazz fans that out there want to see the jazz lose and get a shot at, uh, you know, uh, a certain kid coming out who is a phenom. Uh, others are, are going to enjoy the ride as the Jazz win. The worst thing that could happen, Eric, in my opinion, is for the Jazz to find themselves somewhere in between. I mean, if they're just going to be sort of a and also ran, but maybe good enough to make the playoffs, I'm not sure if that's where they want to be. Uh, it's not where I would want to be if I'm Danny Ainge. On the other hand, if I look at the way this team is playing, and I, what my goal, if I'm if I'm uh, Danny Ainge, is to find out which one of these guys on this team are going to help the project as it is built moving forward. If I can find those guys and uh, identify them and utilize them moving forward, because no matter what happens this year, I just don't think it's about this year. It. Uh, I don't know, life is short. Maybe it is about this year, but the way you look at it, the way the draft picks have gone, the way the Jazz have looked for financial uh, flexibility, it seems as though their plan isn't necessarily focused right on uh, the here and now. So if they can identify those guys and move forward with them, then then good on them. I mean, that's that that's mission accomplished. Yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I think if you were to give Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck and everyone else in the front office truth serum and, and ask them, did you expect to be 6-2 and two at this point, which is their record as of this moment, I don't think you'd get too many people giving you a resounding yes. Um, that said, you know, Andy and I have made the point before, what the front office has planned is not necessarily what the players on the team and the coaching staff have planned, you know, like... I get it from their perspective. They've got something to prove. They want to go out and show what they can do. The players, if nothing else, are auditioning for prospective other employers in the future. Um, but in the meantime, like, give them credit. They've said all along, hey, you know, we're not part of this tanking thing. We think we have the, uh, the, the capability to be pretty good. And I think a lot of us, myself included, kind of scoffed at that, you know, kind of, kind of chuckled at that, like uh, – I get that you have to put out the company line, you know, but um, let's be realistic. And here we are seeing them beat the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans. And, um, you know, it's it's not been a perfect start by any means. There There's still flaws to the team, but it's been an interesting one. But, yeah, that, that whole can it continue, is this team good enough to actually make the playoffs, or are they just – off to a good start right now, doomed to kind of fizzle out as they go along and then ultimately kind of uh, only wind up hurting their chances at, at Victor Wimbanyama or, or someone of that ilk. D- Danny Ainge has to be shocked by what's going on right now. It's, it's sort of twofold because on the one hand, if these guys do win and they win at a current clip, which is a dubious thing to think about really, I, I don't think that would happen that way. But if they do so, then he comes across as looking even smarter than he is. And if you get the draft picks, too, you might not have your shot at uh, Mr. Yama, as they call him. But you're but you're you still got a lot of flexibility there to to pick up some players as you go. So I don't know Uh, fans could decide which way they want to lean with this. I would be fairly surprised if the Jazz continue at, uh, you know, winning 
uh, better than two-thirds of their games. But uh, we'll see. If they are able to do this, it will be the NBA story of the year, no doubt about it. And it reminds me of a certain journalist who happened to say, what's going on in Utah? Well, uh, now we're asking that question again, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Um, regarding those fans, it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up because that gives me a chance to plug some of my own work. I have a piece out there in which before Monday's game against the Grizzlies, I walked along the concourse interviewing random jazz fans about what are your thoughts on this team and, and its surprise start. You know, How did they feel about the offseason teardown? What were their expectations coming into this year? And uh, presuming that the expectations at that time uh, don't, you know, we're, we're not aligned with the results to this point. You know, are they happy about the team's unexpected success? Do they view it as, you know, something that's going to be detrimental down the line? Um, I got pretty much unanimity from the people that I talked to on that specific question. I won't spoil it because I want people to read it. But um, this, it, it honestly surprised me what that every single person I talked to had the same answer in terms of should this team like get back to tanking ASAP or not. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. One other thing I want to touch on, Gordon, uh, you, you mentioned it's your review and, and Andy and I have had this conversation as well. What the jazz, what Danny Ainge, what Justin Zanuck should be doing this season is simply looking at the people who are on this roster and trying to determine who is going to be on the next really good jazz team? Who's going to stick? So we've got one obvious answer thus far in, in the form of the finisher, Lowry Markinen. Let's start off by uh, you giving me your thoughts on, on what you've seen out of him to this point. Uh, I always thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was this good. And is he this good? I guess that's the question. That's another question of the moment. But he's a pleasure to watch. And he's, uh, he's got the versatility to play, what, three different positions? And he's even, at times, guarded guards. And, yeah, I, I, I am surprised but not shocked. I, I thought he was a good player. But, man, I think I don't think what he has shown so far this year has been some kind of fluke. I think he's capable in a certain role to do what he's doing. And I would he, he might be an all-star, Eric. He might be an all-star. I don't know that, but uh, and, uh, but he's looking like he's leaning in that direction, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he certainly has had the production to this point to, you know, at least be mentioned in, seriously in the conversation, right? Like, um, as of right now, I want to say he's averaging 24-9. and nine. He's been very versatile defensively. Uh, his passing has been better than expected. You know, uh, he is guarding like everyone three, four, and five, as you mentioned, and, and doing it pretty well, acquitting himself pretty well. Uh, you know, there's something to that, right? Like, w we all heard the story that uh, Ryan Smith was apparently loath to trade both Rudy and Donovan because he wanted um, at least one All-Star here for when the All-Star game comes to Salt Lake City this coming February. He might unexpectedly surprisingly have an entirely different one you know Larry Markinen's got to be in the conversation I'd like to see the three-point shooting improve uh it, it might yet you know I'll, I'll use Andy's favorite phrase uh random variance 
could be the cause of it at this point. We'll see. Certainly, his he's he's gotten some support from uh, his teammates with Malik Beasley chiming in that he thinks Lowry's definitely an All Star and and wants to help get that ball rolling. So, um, yeah, I loved getting to talk to Lowry uh, during the off season and and pick his brain on where he felt like he could make improvements and. Eric, uh, Eric, you went to Finland, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was in. I was met up with him and his wife at a at a coffee shop in Helsinki, and we got to sit down, and it was kind of funny, you know, the the typical NBA guy when he's doing a one on one, you know, the standard course of procedure when you're doing it organized by a team is like ten to fifteen minutes, right? Well, he and I are meeting up, and I knew that they had little kids. And so I had said, hey, you know, how, mu- how much time are we looking at? And he's like, oh, you know, like 15 minutes. And God bless his wife. She chimes in. Oh, no, we just dropped the kids off with the grandparents. We've got we've got a ton of time. <laughs> and, and you said right on. bro." <laughs> yeah, I, I took advantage of that. And but, you know, the, the takeaway was he felt like everything that he had showed at Eurobasket uh, were things that he could translate to the NBA game, just, you know, things that he felt like he'd been doing for a while, but no scheme on any team that he'd been on to that point had allowed him to do. Well, we're seeing it now, right? Like we're seeing him grab a rebound and then, you know, put the ball in for it, initiate the break. We're seeing him get into the lane and locate teammates. We're seeing him make passes. We're seeing him direct traffic. Um, he's doing, he, he said he could do all these things and, and he's doing it. Okay, so Eric, let me ask you two questions then in tandem with what you just brought up there. Sure. And I want to probe your expertise on this a little bit. The first one is, you mentioned it, why hasn't Laurie looked like this on other teams? Is it because the other teams have had players that have held him back? Is it because he said coaches that wouldn't allow him this kind of freedom? What? And the second question is, you talked about the all-star situation. I'm wondering... Do you believe that maybe since Salt Lake City is hosting the All-Star game that that might give Markinen a leg up in being a part of that? Yeah, so in terms of the former, I think the closest we've ever seen him play in the NBA to the level he's at now was his second season in Chicago. Um, he was getting a little bit of All-Star buzz then. Um, you know, there, there was some speculation he could be named as a reserve that year, and he ultimately wasn't. I do attribute that to yeah you know he's getting so much more freedom uh under will hardy right now than he's ever had you know in in chicago under jim boylan and and whoever else they've had there in cleveland last year so often it it was kind of just you know he was viewed as as like a secondary or tertiary piece and and too often was kind of relegated to hey man you're you're the shooter go stand over in the corner, wait for a drive and kick and, and fire up that corner three once it comes your way. Well, you know, yeah, he could do that, but he always felt like he was capable of doing more. I just don't know that um, any of his previous coaches necessarily trusted that given where their teams were at. You know, they're like, hey, we've we've got point guards to bring the ball up before. We don't need you to do that. You know, we've got, we've got other guys to initiate the offense. Um you know, take advantage of your skill set. Here, Will Hardy's got nothing to lose by by testing the theory out. Like, okay, you say you can do this stuff? Let's see it. And having talked to a bunch of Lowry's teammates, 
they all said it became so apparent early in, in OTAs and training camp. I guess he wasn't there for OTAs because of uh, because of Eurobasket. But for training camp, they said it became super apparent early on that he was capable of doing a ton of stuff they'd never seen him do in the NBA just because he hadn't been allowed. So that's why we're seeing the increase in production. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if like this level of production is necessarily sustainable over the course of the season, but we'll see. Um, if it is, I think the All-Star game uh, being here in Salt Lake City could certainly help his chances. Um, is he good enough to make it right off the bat? I don't know. The Western Conference is so loaded, right, Gordon? There, there's so much talent. And the fact that they go with front court players as a, as the designation rather than small forwards, power forward centers, then again, it's like front court seems the perfect designation for him right now, just given uh, the, position, the positionless way he's playing. Um, I don't know if I necessarily see him making it outright as a reserve, but I think if someone were to get injured and there needed to be an injury replacement named, um, I, I would say in that case, the game being here in Salt Lake City certainly would help his chances. Um, Isn't it interesting, though, uh, Eric, that you have a player emerge like that, but still a player who's considered a team guy, and then the other guys seem to glom off of that, and now you got Jordan Clarkson who is helping set up his teammates rather than just you know bombing away from all over the court. You have other players like Colin Sexton being willing to listen to what Mike Conley is teaching him. You have players like Rudy Gay joining into this. And, and I, look, I'm somewhat skeptical when I, when I think of, of teamwork in the NBA because a lot of times guys, they're in it for themselves, man, and they want it for their paycheck, and that's understandable to some degree. So teamwork to me, sometimes I approach that and I think, well, what's really happening here? But I'll be daggone if there isn't a, a sort of an esprit de corps here with this team that seems different than what we've seen in the past. Uh, it reminds me of the early years with Donovan Mitchell and, and that sort of thing that drained away as time went on. And as Donovan started listening to people around him, telling them he was a superstar, and then you had the disagreements with Rudy Gobert and you have all this fracturing going on. I don't sense this with this particular team. Do you? I mean, you're as close as anyone to it. No, it, it really has been kind of a night and day difference this year from last year right like I've said this to so many people there just was such a bad vibe around the team a year ago there, there just was this constant cloud hanging over the team even when they got off to a good start a year ago it just never quite felt right and and I kept kind of saying hey you know this is a team that's taking it slow that's you know, they're they're prioritizing being healthy now over getting home court um, because, you know, they did the exact opposite the year before and it came back to bite them. And you just kind of kept making excuses for it while while waiting for them to finally, you know, shift into gear. And they just never did. And, and finally, you realize they were never going to. Right. This team, you go in the locker room, you interact with them, you, you see them at practice you see them at shoot around and there is like you know it, it takes you back to the early arrival of uh the arrival of jordan clarkson and and the good vibes tribe that he brought you know is that's team wide at this point and there's a lot to be said for that and and 
I think the easiest way that you can see it manifest, Gordon, this was a team that I think when we were looking just at the roster on paper before the year started, we were all saying one of the weaknesses of this team will be the passing. There's not enough guys beyond Mike Conley who have been willing passers to this to this point in their careers. How many games have they had of more than 30 assists yeah. this season, right? Like, the fact is they're not running iso ball all the time. They're running multi-action plays and having success at it, and everyone's getting a chance to, to eat, you know, as the saying goes. Um, that's the biggest indication to me that, that things are different. So um, I guess let, let's finish up this point. Uh, we touched on marketing quite a bit. Give me uh, maybe two other guys who've impressed you to this point. Well, I, I'm fascinated by the potential of Colin Sexton. And I know he has scored in the past and he's he's done something. But but really, we know, you know, from all the game, thousands of basketball games you've watched that it takes more than that. It takes what we're talking about here, an awareness on the court to get the ball to the right point place to the right person at the right time for the right reasons and he's a guy that I think uh, is worth keeping an eye on also I mean who the heck is Walker Kessler I mean what what is that I mean I know what he did in college but I mean he is showing some signs that he really might be able to help the Jazz moving forward and, and being able to move in ways that maybe even Rudy Gobert couldn't move now I'm not making that comparison but I'm just saying that he he brings some things to the table that otherwise uh, may not have been there. And then, I mean, Clarkson, Clarkson is always fun to watch. And, and I think he does, there is a good vibe with him. And uh, who else? I mean, Beasley. Beasley seems to want to do more than be a three-point shooter now. He wants to actually be a basketball player and maybe play some defense as well. Uh all of those guys. I mean, it's kind of like a mix. I, I, I just look at it, and I, nobody really stands, other than Markinen, nobody really stands out to me. I've always thought Kelly Olenek was a little bit, I don't know, what? All right, Eric, truth serum, as you talked about earlier. When you, If I were to say to you, Kelly Olenek, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, looks like Shaggy. <laughs> I know, I know. There's something about him that you just go, oh, come on, that's not legitimate, is it? But but next thing you know, he's hitting game-winning shots and stuff. And I'm going, there is something happening here that is affecting everybody, affecting and infecting everybody in a positive way, at least so far. I don't want to sit here and act like, oh, my gosh, look at this, guys. Uh, the Jazz are on their way to, you know, uh, the Western Conference Finals or anything like that. But – I got to admit that if they are able to sustain this feeling of, of camaraderie, even if the winning at this clip isn't sustained, uh, that attitude being sustained, I think, will appeal to jazz fans, and, and they'll glom onto that in a way that will make basketball fun, and it will also make them willing to pay money to go in uh, and, and you know pay 200 bucks for a ticket and buy a $15 beer or a a $10 pretzel or whatever. And that's good news for Ryan Smith. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, excellent choices there, Gordon. I, I concur with all of those. Those have been some fun spots to watch. Let's touch on one final thing before we call it a day. I want to talk about a recent interview that Donovan Mitchell did with 
Heavy Sports. Uh, he basically was asked, what are his thoughts about this iteration of the Jazz, the team that he departed, the team he was traded from? Um, you know, is he surprised that they're having success? And for anyone thinking that uh, he might burn bridges on the way out of town, I think they'll be surprised, you know. Um, I'll, I'll just read you a few of his quotes here and, and get your thoughts. He said, they got hoopers. I don't know why everybody was so quick to write them off. I think they got phenomenal leaders in that locker room. Mike Conley is a phenomenal leader. Jordan Clarkson is a phenomenal leader. Then they got Colin Sexton and Lowry Markinen, guys who can really go. Balik Beasley. They're not some slump. They have guys that can really go. I think the world was shocked because we traded me, Rudy, Boyan, and so I think they expected it to go south, and it's not the case. I got a lot of respect for those guys over there. Uh, thoughts, Gordon? Well, ordinarily when I hear a player talk like that, I'm uh, the eyebrow cocks a little bit, and I go, hmm, okay, is he just giving a, a good line to everybody there? But it's hard to argue with what he said. I mean, it, so far, it's hard to argue with that. And uh, I guess we weren't seeing clearly those things as the Jazz were making these moves because I thought they were going to suck. And <laughs> a lot of people did. And, and, and Donovan, Donovan's been right so far. Uh, the fact that he's willing to say that, I think he has genuine respect for Mike Conley. I mean, I've never talked to Donovan about that, but uh, you probably are, are more well-informed on that than I am. But how can you not have respect for Mike Conley? as a leader, as a teammate. And so to compliment him and to have that kind of uh, rudder steering the ship as it moves forward, I, I think uh, is uh, understandable. Uh, as I said, as we talked about earlier, I didn't know Jordan Clarkson could do some of the things that he's doing thus far. Uh, Colin Sexton, everybody, as I said, every, what did he average that one year? Wasn't it like 25 points, 24 points a game or something like that? Yeah, like, like 24 and change and, and shot 37, 38% from three. So earned, earned a lot of comparisons to Donovan Mitchell when he got traded during that, yeah. you know? Yeah, but the, um, fact that they're, but the fact that they're doing what they're doing together, and not just offensively, but defensively as well, uh, I think Donovan is, make no mistake, Donovan is paying attention to what's happening with his old team. I mean, these guys are ego-driven, and, and he is curious as to what's going on with the Jazz. I know he's done really well with Cleveland, and he's going and that's his focus now. But he's paying attention to what's going on here in Salt Lake City, and uh, he's been impressed just like the rest of us have. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of quick thoughts. Um, first of all, Donovan's media savvy enough to realize it does not behoove him to speak ill of the team that drafted him and immediately thrust him into, you know, a position of responsibility and respect and, and kind of helped make him a star, you know, which is not to diminish his own talent and work ethic. You know, he certainly made himself a star, right, with, with all the work he put in, but they afforded him that opportunity. And so it does him no good to, like, kind of bash them on his way out, at least publicly right like who who knows what he's saying in private but um the other thing i i want to mention and this jumped out at me and and i think you know it's the thing that's making me cock my eyebrow if the transcription is correct i think the world was shocked because we traded me and rudy and boyan 
there's a little part of his brain that that still considers himself a jazz man right uh, um you know you can you can call it a faux pas slip of the tongue whatever and i get that i'm i'm not going to turn this into a big deal but just reading that quote and and seeing that word we traded me and rudy and boy that, that made me chuckle a little bit because you know for all the all the stories about like certain guys not getting along and there was truth to it you know about people starting to wear on each other about the vibe turning sour like there's a little part of him that that still kind of hangs on to you know we had a pretty good run and and i think there's maybe you know a little part of him that even though he's having success in cleveland and and the cavaliers are off to a great start and um you know god bless him and and good luck to him with whatever they managed to do I think, I think there remains a little part of him that's that's kind of sad that he wasn't able to, you know, take the Jazz to the next level. Think about it, Eric. His formative years in the NBA happened right here, you know, and that has an effect on a guy, especially someone like him. With, I'm, I'm torn on Donovan. I really am. I respect uh, to high heavens his attitude about racial issues, social issues, and his willingness to speak out. I think that, I mean, he is, he could be a leader of a generation, in my opinion. He's smart. He's charismatic. He knows what to say. He knows how to say it. He knows what needs to be said. And the fact that some people don't like that is just mind-blowing to me, but that's a whole different issue. But the other part of it is that he wanted to win, and he wanted to win bad. And there were times when people were in his ear telling him how great he was and how he should be a superstar and all this. And some of that is true, but last year it just seemed like it didn't fit well. It didn't, it, it, it he, he couldn't, he, he didn't know how to manifest it, but he would look around on the court and say, if I don't do it, who's going to do it. And so that made him look selfish at times, but I really think he thought that was the best way to approach it. Whether it was or wasn't, you can argue all day long about that. But I, I think there is a part of him that is still with the Jazz because this is where he grew up as an NBA player. And I don't know about you, but if I were an NBA player, if I had that kind of experience in my frame of reference, I wouldn't forget it. Yeah, for sure. All right, Gordon, that's as good a place as any to leave it. Um, I will just mention this to our listeners. If you find yourself surprised at what the Jazz are doing and you find yourself wanting to read more about it, but you're not a subscriber and you find yourself running out of those three free reads a month that can go quickly, we have got a special offer for you. It is a Jazz discount. Uh, we created this discount specifically for jazz fans to be able to read more. Um, it's a special offer. Three months of unlimited access for three total dollars. That is $1 a month. You are not going to get a better deal than that. You can go to sltrib.com slash jazz dash discount. That is sltrib.com slash jazz dash discount. Three months unlimited access. Every article Subscriber-only articles, premium-only articles. Those are Gordon Monson columns. Those are Andy's triple teams for the most part. That's some of my stuff. Um, and that's everything else on top of that. Anything you could want to read in the Trib. Take this offer up if you haven't 
uh, subscribed to us already. Uh, give us a shot. You won't regret it. Um, there we have it. Thanks, everyone, Eric, for reading and listening. Yeah. Eric, a, a buck. That's like right. a Snickers bar. And it's not, it's not, that's less than a king size Snickers bar. That's a fun size Snickers bar. That's nothing. I yeah. think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a great deal. And let me say one other thing. For the listeners out there, uh, if you read Eric Walden, appreciate him. He's smart. He knows what he's talking about. He's a great writer. Uh, pay attention to Eric. Andy, not so much. Andy, you can, you know, don't worry about him so much. But Eric Walden is, uh, is, is you're an NBA treasure to this community, Eric. And I hope you get that kind of feedback from the fans. Appreciate you saying that. Uh, I especially appreciate you uh, propping me up over Andy. That's frankly long overdue. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to say it. Um, and yeah, to our to our readers, like check out Gordon's coverage as well. You know, on top of his sports columns, he's got religion columns. Uh, he'll have you know his his personal review of the Post Malone concert coming up. <laughs> Kidding. Hey, by the way. Post Malone was lit, he lit up a cigarette last night. I don't know whether it was tobacco in there or something else in there. I'm not <laughs> sure, but he was puffing away and he was playing the guitar while he was holding the cigarette or the, the whatever it was in his hand. I, hey, I was as impressed I, by the dexterity there. As I said to all the security people at Vivian Arena on Halloween night, who kept telling me that cigarettes weren't allowed. When you're a star, you can do what you want. <laughs> on that. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much, Gordon Monson, for joining me. Uh, hopefully, Andy B. Larson will be back next week. And in the meantime, check us out at sltrib.com. And thanks for listening to the How About This Jazz podcast.